Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Day. Amen. It is the greatest day in the history of the world. Jesus is alive. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right. Well, as you can see, we've got a very full house today. Uh, we're still trying to get people in. And so, uh, you know, it's maybe one of those days where you got to sit next to people up close. Amen. But it's going to be awesome. This is exactly what we want to see. Praise the Lord. So, uh, again, we've got a lot going on today. It is just one of the biggest uh, days of the year for us. Uh, we want to welcome everybody. Uh, of course, there's going to be an egg hunt at the end of the service. Here in just a few, uh, the kids are going to be performing uh, some songs that they've been practicing and we're really excited about that and uh, we just want to celebrate them and uh, and do a really good job with that today amen well as we're getting ready we're still making our way in the door i have a little video uh, that we're going to play this morning to kind of kick things off this video is called the easter story according to kids and so this is kids telling the easter story maybe through their eyes and uh and it's just it's kind of cute to see how kids envision the story they got a lot of the details right maybe a few were a little bit off so anyway let's go ahead and watch this video this morning easter according to kids I promise it's a great video. I was laughing so hard. Just like a half an hour ago, I was laughing at this. But <laughs> if we're having difficulties with it, then it's okay. We'll, we can move on and do that later. All right. Well, there we go. Okay. After Jesus died, they put Jesus in a tomb and wrapped him with some white paper. They put a big stone around it and placed guards in front of the tomb to let nobody go in. He was just waiting for the three days. He's probably drinking soda light and hot Tito's. <laughs> he would probably play games like Candyland and then have a party by himself. <laughs> the Easter Bunny was hiding behind a tree. <laughs> He probably went out there and just throw eggs everywhere. And then he's going to say, there's one money egg, so you better find it. You don't get some money. <laughs> Three days later, there was a big earthquake. <laughs> I think we should go away somewhere safe. It's like I'm getting out of here. The earth is shaking. Run for your lives. <laughs> and the guards ran off because they got scared. And then on Sunday, Mary and some of her friends came with some spices. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. His clothes only was there. Then an angel came and said, don't be afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead. Go tell the, go tell everyone, go tell the good news. Mary and her friends went and told the disciples. She said, Jesus has risen from the dead. Guys, guys, Jesus has risen from the dead. And the disciples didn't believe them. No, that couldn't happen. Jesus can't raise from the dead. 
I don't believe it until I see it. But all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus just came, just was there. I am Jesus. I am the. I'm the. I am the Son of the Lord God, and I am Jesus, your friend. And then the disciples said, "Jesus, it's you! Yay! Jesus is alive!" Totes cool. Jesus, before he left to heaven, he said, "I have done what I have came to done." Do. And then he rose, rose, and he was going up to heaven. His disciples were crowded around him. The disciples said, "Holy guacamole! I can't believe Jesus really flew. That's awesome." Now what? Let's go tell the news. All right, there we go. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, we are so excited about uh, this Sunday and celebrating with you that Jesus is alive. Amen. And uh, amen. We're just pumped up. This is going to be a great day. Can we stand up together this morning? Amen. All right. We're going to open up our service. Um, around here, we always like to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because, hey, we're citizens, most importantly, of the kingdom of God. That's our number one citizenship. But number two, we are citizens of the United States of America, and we are going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. So let's speak these words of faith together today. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right. Well, check it out. All right. So here in just a second, we're going to do a little meet and greet time. If you are in the line coming in the door and you do not have children to check in, you can just come on in and grab a seat somewhere. If you are checking in kids, they're going to get your information as quick as they can and get your kids to class. What we're going to do right now is we like to do a little meet and greet time. Now, normally we go all over the sanctuary. We're pretty tight fit today. So let's take a few minutes while the worship team plays a song. And why don't you meet and greet some people in your section. Give them a high five, a fist bump, a handshake, whatever. And a lot of people like hugs. All right. Maybe I'm just making that up, but let's give some hugs out today. Make sure everybody feels some love. Let's take a few minutes to do this. Let's go.
just love it. Love how you're honoring the Lord today. So there's a lot of busy going on this morning, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, before we do too much, I just want to give some honor where honor is due. Um, Miss Jamie, would you stand? And <laughs> so Jamie is a wonderful part of our church family, but her mama, Miss Gail, if you would stand. Today on this amazing resurrection day, she is a testimony to the life of God inside of her. She is 82 today. <laughs> Thank you guys. We love you. We love you. You're so special to us. Praise the Lord for life, life, life. Um, we want to tell you a few things. There's a photo booth over here. We all get busy with what's going on on Resurrection Day, and we forget to take a family picture. So make sure you do that, you know, before your kids run around in the dirt, you know. So make sure you get a family picture. There also is no service tonight. And uh, this coming Friday is women's meeting, ladies. It's women's meeting. Yes, it's our night out. So Friday night, 6.30 in Victory Hall, and we'll make sure to send some text reminders, and it will be on social media as well. And Miss Desiree is going to share some of the details and logistics of what we've got going on today. Good morning, guys. We got some exciting, fun things, okay? So immediately after service, parents, we need you to pick your kids up from nursery and children's. And then we're going to meet outside because we're going to do a family egg hunt, okay? We're going to do it as a family. Now, for the egg hunt, the ages are nursery through fifth grade, okay? But don't worry. If you're in sixth grade or higher, we've got a great treat for you. So you're going to see Miss Jamie if you're in sixth grade or higher, you're going to see Miss Jamie. She's got a table over there, and she's got a lovely little goodie bag for you guys, okay? Right, yeah. So we're not going to leave you guys out. We love our youth kids here. You guys are included, but we need we need the youth kids to kind of help their younger brothers and sisters run around and find eggs, okay? So that's why we didn't include you in that. Your parents need your help, okay? So immediately after service, you're going to pick up your kids, okay? We promise we won't start without you. You're going to pick up your kids, and we're going to meet outside, like, along this sidewalk area right here, okay? And then we're going to say, ready, set, go, and we're going to let the kids loose, and they're going to go find their scripture egg hunts, so, yes. or their scripture eggs, okay, guys? Amen. Okay. One last addition, um, you are going to need the little sticker to pick your kid up, okay? It's really very important. If you don't have a sticker, then you'll need to see the children's registration table before you go pick up your student. Um, the sticker's important, and only 16 and above can pick up the kids, okay? We want to keep them safe, and when there's a lot of people, we all know, we like to keep them safe. So please, please, especially if you're comfortable around here, don't book system, okay? Bring your stickers to pick them up. 
Amen. All right. So that's the announcements of what's going on right now. Uh, we want to um, take a minute this morning and welcome anybody that is with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. We have a welcome team that's going to come up front here. And we've got Heather and Miss Brylin. And if you would raise your hand, uh, they are gonna, they've got an information packet for you. And we've got a gift that we want to give to you after the service. We've got a gift card to a local place. And uh, Brylin is now Jose. So let's, we love Jose too. He's great. Amen. And so <laughs> if you'd raise your hand, keep it up for just a minute. It might take them a minute to get to you. But if you will fill out the card that is in there at the end of the service, our welcome team will be up front. They're going to be holding some big yellow signs that say welcome home. If you'll turn your card into them, they've got a gift card for you and some other gifts and some information about the church. And we just want to make sure that you feel welcomed and loved today. And uh, we are really, really, really grateful that you are with us to celebrate the greatest day in the history of the entire world. Can we get an amen? today and give the Lord some praise. All right. Well, at this time, we're going to have our children start making their way to the platform. And this could take just a minute because there is a lot of them. And um, they're going to be doing their musical performance that they've been practicing. And so let's go ahead and we'll start having the kids make their way up to their spots. Ushers, can we move the, uh, the pulpit? Amen. And they've been practicing hard the last few weeks uh, to get everything ready for this day. So they're going to be singing a couple of songs for us and doing uh, uh, some scripture reading. Amen. All right. Amen. And, you know, one of our favorite things at High Desert Word Center is the kids. We put a massive emphasis on the children's ministry uh, because we know that, hey, these guys need to learn about the Lord while they're young, right? Wouldn't it have saved us a lot of trouble, amen, if we had learned some of these things at their age? And come on up, kids, whenever they're ready. And uh, that's why we want to make a big investment into them because, as cliche as it sounds, they really are our future. And if they don't get this now, hey, uh, you know, it's a lot more difficult sometimes to learn it later on in life. And so uh, this is uh, this is the big uh, part of what we do around here is children's ministry, all right? This is Leah Mata. She is our children's church director. Amen. Look at these guys. Don't you love all the little Easter dresses and uh, the kids wearing their, the boys wearing their ties and their best outfits here today? This will take a few minutes. There's a lot of them, okay? <laughs> Amen.
All right, everybody. I think we've got most of the kids uh, in their spots this morning. And so if we could quiet down and we're going to start off with uh, scripture reading and then the kids will go in to their first song. All right. So here we go. When they came to a place called Calvary, they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched the leader scoff. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus, shout, Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last.
Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Let's hear it for our kids again, man. What a good job, guys. We are proud of them. What an awesome job. We appreciate them. Well, so the kids can go ahead and be dismissed uh, to their class. They, now, if there's any kids that uh, are in the crowd that didn't perform up here, you can meet the teachers at the side wall over here, and they're going to lead them to their class. And they're going to have a little party over there and uh, and have a good time today. Yeah, in just a minute. In just a minute, yeah. And so, uh, go, 
The kids will have a good time over there. They got some activities planned. Amen. And then at the end of service, we'll be doing our egg hunt. All right. Good job, kids. You did such a good job. Amen. Love it. Now, some of the kids really got into it. I love that. I, I think I saw a little head banging in the back row, but, you know, praise God. And he was doing that. All right. Good job, guys. Very good. We love them so much. All right, man. Good job. Let's hear it for the kids one more time today. Good job, guys. All right. Very good. Well, I'm going to have my dad, Pastor Samples, start making his way up here this morning. We're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. Very good. Yes. All right. Yeah. So around here, we call our tithes and offerings happy time because Second Corinthians nine says that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we want to be really cheerful with everything that we've got going on today. Amen. And every day, every day is a good day to be cheerful. All right. And if you're giving online, uh, anybody watching online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I think our kids and the teachers did a great job with that. They're not like the public schools where they practice every day. They just get them on Sunday sometimes to practice. So I think that was really great for that amount of kids. Amen. That was good. Well, hold up your hands if you need an envelope for your tithes, your offerings, for your giving. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. Hey, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what, what this day represents of Jesus being raised from the dead. And, you know, it's not like that funny little children's video. Jesus broke the power of the devil over the human race. Jesus took the curse that was on the human race from when the mankind fell in the Garden of Eden and was separated from God. Jesus reunited us and brought us back by taking our sins and taking all the curse. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, before he died, he, he tells us things about the Father and what his, what his will is. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about meeting our needs. How many know the times we live in right now are tough times financially, economically, in a lot of ways, but God never changes. Jesus never changes. And the only ones that can change are us. We've got to change to be in agreement with him. But Jesus tells us the plan of God. Verse 31 says, therefore, take no thought. Take no anxious thought. God doesn't want us to worry about what's going on, but we've got to know what to do. It's not just knowing what not to do, it's knowing what to do. He said, take no anxious thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Look how high milk is. Look how high eggs are. Look how I think. He said, don't worry about that. He said, don't be worried and complained about what's going on in the stores. He says, wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't be worried about those kids outgrowing the shoes and needing bigger clothes. God wants to take care of that. How many know that? How many believe that? Amen. He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Well, he's talking about people that aren't in covenant with God. Of course, we know back then the Jews were the only ones that had a covenant. Then after he was raised from the dead, then the whole world that received him could have a covenant called the New Covenant. And so as born-again Christians, we have a covenant with God. We're not non-covenant people. He says, Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. 
Well, that's really nice to know that God knows because, you know, if you believe in Him, you know He knows all things. And so if He knows that we have need of all these things, then what do we do for God to be able to get these things into our hands where we need them now? What do we do to get our gas tanks filled up no matter what the price of gas is? What do we do to have more than enough money for clothes, for food, for education, for the things we need? He says, verse 33, that God knows we have need of all these things. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so that, that's what a lot of you are doing this morning. You're putting God first. You know, some of you uh, come out sometimes for special services. Some of you are a little more serious about that. But the main thing is, Jesus said, you put God first in your life. And that God will add all these things. And a lot of people just think God's just all spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. But Jesus right here is talking about clothes, food, cars, gas, housing, everything you need. He said, put God first and all these things will be added unto you. And if the human race, if Christians get a revelation and really know that God is serious, you start putting Him first and He adds things, doesn't subtract them. And, you know, I look at that there, and some people think, well, if I get too serious about church and, you know, come to church all the time and back off of all the things out there do the world out there, then I'll lose out. Well, He didn't say all these things shall be subtracted. He said all these things will be added. And so when your spiritual life straightens up, then it manifests into your natural life, and God adds things. Amen? Help me believe that. Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up. And uh, we like to do what we call our financial faith confession. A part of how your faith works is what you believe and what you say. So we train ourselves to speak things in line with God's Word. So we're going to make a financial faith confession, and then you bring your tithes and offerings up to the altar. Then we'll be worshiping God before we get into the message. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increases. For meeting all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want, you can remain standing, and we're going to sing a couple of songs together this morning. Let's all sing together if we can. The King of all creation. Set aside his crown, a servant to the Father's love, descended from his throne above, the author of salvation, giver of new life, the crucified to pay for sin, our righteousness is in the name of Jesus. Every heart is
praise the Lord. Can we raise our hands for together for a minute this morning? And I know you may be like, well, that's not what I normally do. Well, hey, King David talked about, I'm going to praise the Lord with my hands raised. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you today. And Lord, this is not just some regular old day. This is the greatest day in the history of the world. Jesus died on Friday. On Saturday, it seemed really silent, like nothing was going on. But Sunday morning, amen. Hallelujah. The earth shook, amen. That stone rolled aside, and Jesus came walking out of that grave victorious over death, victorious over any problem that comes our way. And so we celebrate today, and we're not ashamed of it one single bit. Jesus is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. You are never hopeless. There is never a spot that you will find yourself in that Jesus can't pull you out of. And that is the greatest news that I've ever heard in my entire life. Amen. Can we give Jesus one more shout of praise today? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can make your way to your seats this morning, and you can try to be seated if you can contain your excitement. Amen. Love it. We absolutely love it. Jesus is everything. Amen. Well, praise God. We're going to get into our message today, and the title of it is this. Really, it's a hashtag, but it's called winning, right? Because Jesus is always winning, and he has won against every circumstance and every problem that comes our way. And so, you know, Easter is a day of celebrating the biggest win in the history of the world. And, you know, we're kind of loud around here. Uh, that's just kind of, we get excited about Jesus. But listen, I know some people that'll go absolutely nuts when their team wins the Super Bowl, right? You got dudes painting their chest and, and running around and, and going crazy, sometimes catching cars on fire. And so, you know, going a little bit crazy. And no one even thinks anything of it. Or your team gets to the World Series or whatever. And people are going nuts. And then they think it's a little bit crazy when we celebrate Jesus defeating the devil and defeating death. Amen? Well, listen, we are not ashamed of it. We are proud of it. And we're going to be loud about it because Jesus is alive. Amen. All right. Well, uh, if you need an outline for the sermon, do we have some of those ushers or did we? I don't know if we ran out. We're, OK, if you need an outline for the message, we kind of do a little fill in the blank sheet to help you follow along. If you didn't get one when you came in, raise your hand real quick and the ushers will get one over to you. And that will kind of help you follow along in the Word of God today. Well, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to get into the message. Again, the title is Winning because Jesus is always winning. And he picked up the biggest win ever 2,000 years ago. And we're very excited about that today, all right? So we're going to look at a few things today specifically that we can say Jesus won the victory over. Now, if you were to sit there and compile a list of all the things that 
that Jesus is victorious over. I mean, you could meet us here next Easter and you'd still be writing the list because it's endless. Because he wins against every situation. I know in my life, man, when I was three and a half, I got super sick and my parent, I, I couldn't walk anymore. I mean, it was crazy. I couldn't walk and all this bad stuff started happening. So my parents take me to the doctor. They run these tests and like, oh man, we hate to tell you, but your son has leukemia and it is not looking very good. And so I was in a children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana for a little while. But one day, I'm telling you right now, uh, I hadn't walked in a long time. I just felt something pick me up off the doctor table and sit me on the floor. And I took off running down this hospital hallway. The doctors caught me. They drew my blood and they're like, wait a minute, there's no cancer in this blood at all. It's, it's totally gone. That's impossible. And so, uh, you know, they, they, so they kept jabbing me, taking blood and, and I'm having the time of my life. I couldn't feel a thing. And they said, no, this kid right here, we took his blood yesterday. The boy had cancer in his blood, but on this day, they said he not only doesn't have any cancer, any leukemia, but he has mature white blood cells. This is impossible. This would take months to occur. Amen. But so anyway, what am I saying? I'm saying that no matter what it is we face, Jesus is victorious and Jesus is the answer, but we got to look to him. All right. And so let's look at a few things today. This is just a short list. Again, if we were to sit down and write it all out, uh, we'd be here writing for years. But a few things today that I want to talk about. Jesus won number one against family issues. Jesus is victorious with family issues. And uh, you're thinking, yeah, well, that's easy because Jesus, I mean, he had a perfect family. Listen, all right, check it out. Jesus himself is divine. Jesus himself is the son of God, but his brothers were not. Jesus had a real family with just regular old people like you and I. And listen, his brothers didn't really appreciate Jesus for who he was, and there were some family issues going on, all right? And so, as I said earlier in this service, our main calling at this church, you know, every church has a specific calling that the Lord has them assigned to, and so we uh, feel the Lord's made our main calling to be a family church where we want to minister specifically, we want everybody, but specifically to families. We want to help your marriage out. We want to help your parenting out. We want to help your grandparenting out. If you're an aunt and an uncle, we want to help you be the best one that you could ever be. But our specific target for Barstow at High Desert Word Center is families. And I just, I found this out a while back that everybody that I come across is related to somebody else. Anybody here, you have somebody you're related to? Wow, only a handful of people have relation. Okay. I've got a lot of them. Listen, there's eight kids in my family. And you may think I'm weird, but I'm actually the best one. So the rest of them are just crazy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, but anyway, but Jesus, listen, he had a family and it is interesting to note that he had some family issues. There was some dysfunction in the family. I want you to look this morning at John chapter seven, John seven. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus can identify with all of our weaknesses and temptations because he dealt with all the same issues that we face, yet without sin. And so Jesus dealt with his family. And, uh, you know, we can say this much for sure about Jesus without joking that 
He was not the problem in the family. Uh, In this case, it's safe to say that he was the perfect one for sure. But his family, he had brothers and sisters, a mom and a dad, and they did not always uh, see eye to eye with Jesus. And so this is a story that I've always found to be a little bit interesting. John chapter 7, and we're going to look here at verses 2 through 5. John 7, verses 2 through 5. And it says this, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you really can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Look at this, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Even his own brothers didn't believe in him. And so we're reading all this and we're like, man, they must, his brothers, they really wanted him to get famous. They really wanted people to know who he was, but they were saying that sarcastically to give him a hard time. Even his own brothers didn't believe in him. And maybe you hear, you're like, man, I've had some dreams. I feel like I've got a calling, but even my family doesn't support me. Well, you're in really good company because Jesus' own family for a period of time didn't support him. One time in the book of Mark, Jesus is teaching to a crowd and some guys come up and they say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus basically says, they can wait. Who is my mother and my brothers and my sisters? I'll tell you who my real family is. It's those who do the will of God. And so he wasn't disowning them. He's like, I've got more in common with people that want to seek after God than some of the people that share my own blood. And maybe you're in here and you're kind of like that. Like, man, sometimes my family just gives me a hard time. I've got more in common with my church family and other Christians that I've got with some of the people I share blood with. Well, that's not an insult to them. But Jesus found himself in the exact same spot. But here's the thing. Jesus overcame every problem, including family issues. If you read the Bible further, at least two of his brothers became some of his disciples, right? James and Jude became some of the 12. And guess what? They ended up writing two books of the Bible. Now, I don't think that they came around and and started following Jesus and accepted him as the Messiah because he was rude to them. I believe that Jesus overcame the family issues by dealing with his brothers out of love, right? Out of forgiveness, because no doubt about it, they said some mean things to him. And this is just what we have in the Bible. I'll bet they said some really mean things that we don't even know about, right? I mean, they probably put down on him and said all sorts of stuff. But guess what? He let it go. And because of that, he brought unity to the family, apparently, right? And two of them at least became disciples and ended up writing books of the Bible. I think Jesus did a really good job However, he handled that. Who else thinks that Jesus probably did a really good job dealing with a dysfunctional family? You know, I heard this story the other day. I was reading this about a man went on vacation to Israel, the Holy Land, with his wife and her mother. And while they were in Israel, unfortunately, the mother-in-law passed away. Well, the couple, uh, they went to a local funeral home in Israel. Uh, and the, the funeral home explained they could either, you know, ship her back to the United States, which would probably cost more than $5,000, or they could bury her right there in the Holy Land for only about $500. 
The man said, you know what, we'll ship her home. Well, surprised, the funeral director responded, are you sure? That's an awfully big expense. We can do a very nice burial right here in the Holy Land. Well, the man said, look, listen, 2,000 years ago they buried some guy over here, and three days later he rose from the dead. I can't take that chance. (laughs) All right. I apologize. No, no more. I'm sorry. So I'm telling you right now that Jesus wins even over family issues. And so if you've got a dysfunctional family, like we've all got some issues, Jesus has the answer and Jesus can show you how to overcome it. Let's hear it for Jesus this morning. Come on. Jesus is winning, picking up the win. Number two, Jesus won against Satan. Jesus won the victory against Satan. Now, one of the most important things for us to understand in life is that God is good and the devil is bad. Now, that may not sound like a very deep concept, but it is one that has to be established in our hearts. You've got to get that in your heart. God's good. The devil's bad. Now, many people have something bad happen to them and they think that maybe God did it to them to teach them a lesson or because he's angry at them. But check it out. We're told in the Bible in John 10 and verse 10 that Satan, the thief, comes to steal, kill and destroy. And Jesus said, hey, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And so he came to give us abundant and eternal life. He didn't come to make your life miserable here on this earth. Now we do know this much. Satan is real. And the scripture says that he is our enemy. He's responsible for the devastation and the calamity that we see in this world. So many times we see something bad happening. Well, why did God do that? Why did God make that happen? Why did God blah, blah, blah? Well, the Bible also tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 that Satan is temporarily the God of this world. Like, well, that doesn't sound right. It's scripture. Second Corinthians four, verse four. Now, God put Adam in charge way back in the Garden of Eden to manage things here on earth. But if you're familiar with the story in the book of Genesis, he sold out his authority and his rights and gave it over to Satan when they disobeyed God. And so sometimes in life we wonder what in the world is going on right now. Well, I'll tell you this morning that the enemy is real and he will attack you and your family. But here's the good news that when you belong to Jesus, you know how to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And you know how to claim the victory every single time. So if you belong to Jesus, Satan has no authority over you. He may huff, he may puff, he may say, I'm going to blow your house down. But all you got to do is respond with the name of Jesus. Can we get an amen today? And so I'm telling you that the devil can try his best, but his best is never enough for the children of God. Now, when Jesus died... His body was laid in the grave or in the tomb, uh, you know, as we're celebrating today. 
but his spirit descended to fight the enemy on his home turf. Ephesians 4, 9 says that he descended to the lower parts. And in Psalm 16, verse 10, uh, it is prophesied over Jesus. And, and it said, you will not leave my soul among the dead. That was talking and prophesying about Jesus. But I'm going to put a verse on the screen today in Colossians 2.15. And this is how the Apostle Paul wrote it. And this is out of the Passion Translation, which isn't typically my favorite translation. But I like the way that this verse words it right here. So Colossians 2 and verse 15 And this gives us a little recap, a little picture of what Jesus did. Because the scripture also tells us that until you are born again, until you receive Jesus into your life, that, hey, Satan has a hold on you. And and, and he thinks that he can own you. He thinks that he can control your life. And Jesus came to break that power over your life. And so Colossians 2.15, the apostle Paul put it this way. He said, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Amen. What are we talking about? We're talking about when Jesus descended to hell and whipped the devil, the bully, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren on his home turf. And Jesus went down there and embarrassed him in front of all his friends. Amen. And he won the victory for our lives today. Amen. And so, hey, we all like to see a bully get what's coming to them, right? And we know that the devil has tried to screw you up, tried to mess your family up for generation after generation, but it doesn't have to keep continuing. Jesus won the victory. Amen. So remind the devil when he says, oh, no, man, your kids are never going to make it. You you're, you guys are never going to break out of this cycle. When he tries to threaten your future, what do you do? You remind him of his past. Amen. You say, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you. Jesus went down to hell and beat you up in front of all your homies. He went down there and he embarrassed you in front of everybody on your home turf. Why would I listen to you in the name of Jesus Get out of here. Amen. Use the name of Jesus. And that brings us to number three today. Jesus won the victory against shame. He won the victory against our shame. And so many people I talk to seem to live with a constant sense of guilt and shame from things that happened in their past. Now, we've all made mistakes. Not one of us is perfect. But I want to tell you something. I'm referring to a lot of scriptures today. You can write the reference down. But the Lord told us in Isaiah 43 and verse 25, He said, I will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. That's Isaiah 43, 25. He said, I'll I'll blot them out. 
and I'll never think of them again. And so I'm telling you right now, the Lord is not holding your past sins and mistakes against you if you've repented to him and you've forsaken him. And so if you are ever in a spot where you just are being reminded of the bad things you've done in the past and you've repented, you've asked for forgiveness, but they keep coming back to you, that's not God bringing them up. He wouldn't do that. What kind of a sicko keeps bringing somebody else's failures and mistakes up after the person repented and quit doing it? Only an abusive person would do that. God's not going to do that. When I was a few years younger, I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis, right? And I, I put boxes onto the airplanes and all this. And one day out of nowhere, I mean, I'm just scanning boxes and stacking them and the worst sense of guilt and shame just seemed to hover over my 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 body like like a dark cloud and i'm just thinking of every bad thing i've ever done in my life and i feel such guilt such shame, such embarrassment. And these are things that I quit doing that I asked the Lord to forgive me of. I asked people to forgive me. I didn't do them anymore, but I just kept being reminded. Remember this? Remember that time? And I mean, I was like this close from saying, man, I might as well just jump off a cliff. I, I'm the worst person ever. And then something spoke to me. I believe it was the Lord. I'm like, that's not me reminding you of that. You asked me to forgive you. I don't even remember that ever even happened. Because when I forgive, I forget. Who was reminding me of all the junk from the past? It was the devil, the enemy. And so what did I do? I just say, in the name of Jesus, I resist those thoughts. Get away from me, Satan. Amen. And I felt the peace of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God just flood all over me and it was gone. But the book of James tells us if you will submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, he has to flee from you. And so I'm telling you today. You don't have to live here with a sense of guilt and shame and always going around thinking, man, I'm the worst one there and blah, 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 blah. That is the enemy trying to ruin your life. If you ask God to forgive you and you quit doing it, he doesn't even remember that it ever even happened. That's the grace of God right there. And so... One of the main guys in the Easter story is a man named Peter. Now, Jesus chose Peter to be not only one of his 12 disciples, but Jesus had three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. And so Peter was one of the closest people to Jesus on this earth. Now, when Jesus first found Peter, he was a rough dude. He was a cussing sailor. He was fighting. He was brawling. He was getting into trouble. But Jesus chose him anyway. And so Jesus didn't seem to choose people who were all qualified by our standards. He chose people that he saw potential in. And Jesus saw potential in these 12 guys that other people probably would have looked over. And uh, and Jesus calls Peter to come follow him. And he molds Peter into a great disciple. And he becomes one of the best men to ever live. But I want to look this morning at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And we're going to look at one of Peter's worst moments, one of his dark moments. And this isn't to shame him because this has a really good ending to this story right here. So Matthew 26, and we're going to look at starting at verse 33. 
I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. I'm kind of using a few different translations today, which I don't normally do, but I feel some of these capture some of what I'm trying to get to you on this Easter Sunday. So Matthew 26, and we're going to look here. Starting at uh, verse 33, uh, 33 through 35. And I want you to see, uh, if you think that you've screwed up, I'm just going to be real that Peter, he, he blew it pretty big on this. And so Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter declared, if everyone else deserts you, I won't. Jesus told him, the truth is that this very night before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny me three times. I would die first, Peter insisted. And all the other disciples said the same thing. And so, I mean, that's a pretty big statement. He's like, I would, I would never desert you. Jesus said, not only will you desert me, you'll deny that you even know me. Wouldn't that be a pretty bad thing to do? Well, Jesus was right. It ended up happening. Skip down here to verses 69 through 75. So, At this point, Jesus is arrested. He's standing trial in the most unfair, fake, phony, unreasonable trial ever. But look at this. Middle of the night, they're holding court. And so, look at verse 69. Meanwhile, as Peter was sitting in the courtyard, a girl came over and said to him, Hey, you were with Jesus. For Both of you are from Galilee. But Peter denied it loudly. I don't even know what you're talking about. He angrily declared. Later, out by the gate, another girl noticed him and said to those standing around, Hey, this man was with Jesus from Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. But after a while, the men who had been standing there came over to him and said, We know you're one of the disciples, for we can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter began to curse and swear. I don't even know the man, he said. And immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went away crying bitterly. Can you imagine the feeling that must have came over him in that moment? He had sworn an allegiance to Jesus and even said, I'll die before I deny you or before I turn my back on you. And then he denied him three times within a very short span of time before morning even came. Peter had done one of the most shameful things a friend can do. He was unfaithful in the time of need. Can you imagine that? Imagine your own child. Imagine your best friend. Imagine the closest person in the world to you is standing trial in the middle of the night, in a very unfair, I mean, just the stupidest situation ever, and someone's like, hey, wait a minute, isn't that your brother? Isn't that your son? Isn't that your friend? And you're like, him? I don't don't know him. I mean, what an awful moment when you realize, I just stabbed Jesus in the back. He's been there for me every time I've ever needed him. The one time that he needed me, and I stabbed him in the back. That would nearly drive a person to a very, it would, to a very dark and bad, bad place to realize the one person that never did me wrong. He needed one, one time ever. He needed something from me. And I, 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 I blew it. I stabbed him in the back. I denied him. I was unfaithful. And no wonder Peter, the tough, manly man sailor, he runs away into the night 
weeping because he wasn't there for Jesus. I can only imagine what sort of a situation that would be like. But check it out. Even after this low moment, Jesus didn't let Peter go. He didn't write Peter off. Because after the resurrection, Jesus came back to the earth, right? He was in this world for 40 more days. You can read the end of the Gospels. He is he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to many other people. And at the very end of the book of John, Jesus is with the disciples and, and they're eating on the beach. Jesus is cooking some fish, which must have been an incredible moment because Jesus is good at everything. And I personally love fish. So I'm thinking Jesus must have been like an incredible cook of fish. So anyway, he's frying some fish there. And, and, and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And okay. And then Jesus asks him again, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, <laughs> it's getting awkward. You know I love you. <laughs> Why aren't you asking the other guys? And then he asked Peter a third time. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, Peter, feed my sheep. And and and, and, and you can look at this story like, why did he have to call Peter out in front of everybody? And I wondered that. Why did you have to shame Peter in front of it? They all did some dumb things. But then it hit me one day. Check it out. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus was so kind that he gave him three opportunities to publicly acknowledge his love for his Savior. Amen? And sometimes someone will be like, man, that's Jesus is harsh. No, Jesus is kind. If I did that three times, check it out. I would be grateful that he gave me a chance three times in front of everybody to make it known that I love Jesus, and I will never do that again. And Peter never did it again. He loved Jesus. He helped start the Christian church, the book of Acts, and he died a crucifixion death himself, and he never denied Jesus again. Amen. That's forgiveness and Jesus is victorious over shame. And if you're dealing with shame and remorse and regret, Jesus will forgive you if you'll go to him. Last thing today, and it's this. Number four, Jesus won against death. Jesus won against death. Why is this important? Because death is the biggest fear that most people face. There's so many questions we have. When's my time going to come? How am I going to die? What happens after I die? What will happen to my kids and my family. Well, the scripture does call death an enemy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says that death is the final enemy that will be destroyed. But Jesus, our Savior, faced death. And you know what? He won again. Jesus wins every single time. And so for the born again Christian, we don't have to be afraid like other people do. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And one of the scariest parts about death is separation. It's the fact that, hey, there's a separation that takes place. And I believe that this was the hardest part for Jesus because he had never been separated from the Father. 
Since before the foundation of the world, Jesus was with the Father. And some people are like, no way, I thought he was born to the Virgin Mary. Yeah, that's when he came into earth as a human. You realize that he's always existed. He's eternal. And so he didn't begin his existence on Christmas. No, he's always existed. But he had never been separated from the Father. So here we are, Judas had betrayed him and sold him out. Peter denied him. The other disciples deserted him in the garden. The soldiers showed up and it started going down. They all split. And now his father had to temporarily step aside to let this whole thing happen. Matthew 27, verses 45 through 46. And here we have Jesus on the cross and this is one of the, just one of, one of the hardest portions of scripture to read when you've got what a powerful moment this is. But Matthew 27, and looking here at verse 45, this is Jesus on the cross. It says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. That ought to be enough right there to tell you that something's going on. It's high noon and it turns pitch black dark like it's midnight for three hours. Verse 46, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, dad, why did you abandon me? Think about this. The one moment in his life, even his dad had to step away. He was left with really no one. His mom sitting there crying her eyes out. We do know at least that the disciple John was still there. But everyone had left him and even the father had to step away for just a minute. And it was a very few short moments later when Jesus finally cried out. One of the teenagers read this earlier. It is finished. And he took his final breath. And as we saw earlier, his body went to the grave and his spirit went to hell to battle the devil for control over people and control over death. This is such, when I think about it, I'm like, my gosh, Jesus, I'm sorry that I put you in that position. But the good news is Jesus won. Do you know that today? That Jesus won the victory and those that receive him are also victorious over the things that we've seen today. But those who refuse him are still left on their own to fight the battle themselves. And I haven't met a person yet that's strong enough to win every battle in life on their own. You can maybe win some things, but on your own, you can't win them all. But Jesus is victorious. And he said in Revelation 1.18, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He said, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. Where did he get them? Where did he get the keys? Well, he went to hell and took them from the devil. And now he holds the key. But Jesus said one more thing in Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. 
And for us today, Jesus is standing at the door of your life knocking. And maybe, you, maybe lately you've been feeling like, I need to make some changes. Something's not right. I don't know. Why do I feel like I've never even felt like this. What is it? It's Jesus knocking, saying, hey, come on, just let me in. You've pushed me away long enough. Let me in and I can change everything. Now, all this may sound great, but we need to remember that Jesus fought a hard fight to win. This wasn't easy. What did, what did, what did he win? He won your freedom. And I'm telling you that you and I, we were not cheap. You, The scripture says you were bought with a price. And it wasn't mere silver or gold. He didn't cut a check to buy your freedom. No, he had to spill his blood to pay the price for our sins. And so I'm going to close out today with a little bit of a video reminder of what Jesus did for us. And we'll pray together in just a minute. But I can't let Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the Holy Week end, without us getting just a glimpse. It still fails but just a glimpse of what Jesus did for us. And so, Tim, let's let's watch this together and then we're going to pray together. Amen.
Jesus went through for us and I know sometimes it's I you know it's hard to look at that but that's how much he loved us man no you realize nobody forced him to do that uh, because they're like well he had to no no Jesus said no man will take my life from me I'm laying my life down for my sheep for my people and why did he have to do that I'll tell you why because I've done some bad and stupid things and somebody had to pay the price for it because when someone sins a price has to be paid and Jesus came in and not only paid for my sins but for the sins of everybody in this world and that's what it took and so the way I see it if he could die for me I can live for him amen if he could take hell for me then I can go to heaven for him and I don't have to be a ashamed about it. Amen. Can we stand up together today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to have uh, Pastor Josh, my brother, come up here and we're going to, he's going to lead us in a song in just a minute, but I want to pray with you today. If you are here, listen, and you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or, or maybe you have at one point, but you walked away. We know He didn't leave you, but let's get real, maybe you left Him. We aren't here today to, to point a finger at you or to judge you. We're here to say, let's get this fixed. Let's, let's make this right. And what better a day to restore your relationship with Jesus than on Easter Sunday. 
But here's something I've learned about giving our lives to Jesus. It means that I've got to lay some pride down. It means I've got to come to a place where I have to admit, okay, listen, I've been wrong about some things. And, and, and I can't do it on my own. I need help. And so we're going to pray together and check it out. It's going to take... It's going to take you shooting your own pride down and saying, yeah, I'm not perfect and I admit it and I need some help. We're going to pray together. Then Jose, come on up. This is my good friend, Jose. And uh, we've got a, a program here at church where if you want to give your life to Jesus today, what we'll do is we got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer, SPT. And Jose will set you up with someone else here from church that will text you every day for the next 30 days. They will pray for you. If you want to talk, you can talk to them. If you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk to them. But what I'm saying is this. We'll set you up with someone for the next 30 days that can mentor you and help you get your faith established on the right track. It's the best gift I know to give to somebody is the gift of help. Amen. And so I want to pray together today. And if this is your day to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm fixing my relationship with Jesus. I want you to, at that point, come tell Jose and he will hook you up with somebody. And I promise you won't regret it. And you'll maybe saying, yeah, but that would be embarrassing. Jesus was probably embarrassed hanging naked in front of his mom and sisters dying for your death, but he did it anyway. So there comes a point in life, if you really want to make some changes, you got to do something out of your comfort zone. Amen. And so I don't believe in just saying, well, every, you know, pray a prayer and then make sure nobody sees you pray it. That's weak. We don't need weak people. We need people that say, you know what? Yeah, I need Jesus and I admit it. So we are going to bow our heads and close our eyes together today. And if this is your moment to fix things with God, let it be today. Pray this with me today. Repeat after me. Say, Father in Jesus name. Father in Jesus name. I believe in your son Jesus. I believe in your son Jesus. I believe that he died. That he rose again. That he's coming back someday. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. Make me a new person. In Jesus name. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Now check it out. If that, if, if you prayed that and this was your moment, don't be ashamed. Don't leave here without making things right. I want you to come see Jose. We're just going to rejoice with you. He'll take and get your information. And I'm going to have the rest of my prayer team come forward this morning. Amen. The rest of my prayer team, you know who you are. And if, uh, if you're here and you need prayer for anything else, Man, maybe you've got health issues. Maybe you've got family issues. Maybe you've got some sort of other issues. We'll pray for you for that today. But especially if you made things right with God, come over and see Jose. He'll get your information and then we'll go from there. Let's take just a few final minutes. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in some worship. If you need prayer for anything at all, come right up front and we will pray for you quickly. And then we will dismiss after that. Amen. Let's go. Didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was great. Oh, 
what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again You have no rival You have no equal Now and forever God you reign Yours is the kingdom Yours is the glory Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory For you are raised to life again You have no rival You have no equal Now and forever God you reign Yours is the kingdom Yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. 
What a powerful name it is And nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King, what a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ. My King, what a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus, death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, violence the boast, of sin and grave, the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, before you are raised to life again, you have no rival, you have no is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my what a powerful name it is And nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus all right, praise the Lord. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for being with us today and for allowing us some time to minister uh, to the people here. We like to be able to pray with anybody that, that wants prayer. Amen. Well, we're getting ready to uh, close this part of the service down. Can I have my welcome team come forward? Our welcome team is going to be up here. 
Uh, they've got, they're going to be holding these yellow signs over here. And so again, if you were with us for the first time today or first time in a long time, if you will bring your info card over to them, they have got a gift for you. They got a gift card and a coffee mug and some stuff and some information about the church. If you did not get a uh, welcome packet earlier, if this is your first time, uh, they, you, they can give you one over here, but we want to make sure that you are welcomed today. And that you know that, hey, we love you and we'd love for you to be a part of us. Amen. All right. So they've got that going on. The family photo booth is over here. We have some photographers. They'll snap your picture and you can take your own picture. And uh, we'll probably post some of these on Facebook tomorrow. If you're wondering, how can I get a hold of my family picture? We'll post it on there unless you specifically tell us not to. But we'll post it on an album online and then you can grab it off of there and print it and do whatever you want to with it. Okay. All right. So that's our uh, welcome team. I am going to have Desiree Garcia give us some information about the egg hunt and uh, listen up to her. So again, if you're going to turn your info card in, head on over to the welcome team. Desiree is going to give us instructions about how to do the Easter egg hunt. All right. Go ahead, Desiree. Speak real loud. Okay, guys. So here's the plan. So you guys are going to go pick up your kids from nursery and from children's classes. We're going to meet on the sidewalk, and we're all going to go together um, to do the egg hunt. So we'll have somebody who blows the whistle. When we blow the whistle, we'll let the kids go. Um, the age group for that is nursery through fifth grade. Okay, nursery through fifth grade will participate in the egg hunt. If you're um, sixth grade or older, there will be a table over here, um, and we will give you guys a treat bag if you're older, okay? We need those um, older siblings to help out with the younger siblings, but we did not forget about you. Okay, so we're going to get the kids, meet right here on the sidewalk. When you hear the whistle, we're going to go and just have a great time. All right, so you got your instructions there. Let's close out by doing our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. That's something that we do every service around here. So let's do our confession, and then you can grab the kids, meet us out front there, and we're going to do, we got a couple thousand eggs, and they all need to go because I'm not cleaning them up tomorrow. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Grab the kids and meet us out front.